When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. Roy. But who exactly is Roy? And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Hey, this is Mick Jones of Foreigner, and you're listening to Pansy and Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Martin Popoff back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are part of this vast Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. Um, this is episode 88. I'm going to be calling this one Kiss and Trends. Um, I thought to call it my Kiss autobiography, and this is why. Okay, here's why I didn't call it that, because that sounds really, really pompous. It's like I'm part of Kiss or whatever, my Kiss autobiography doesn't make a lot of sense although it is kind of enigmatic and might make you think what the heck is he talking about here's what I'm talking about um people have asked me many times would I ever do a kiss book and then people even ask me would I ever do an autobiography right so the reason I haven't done a kiss book is there's so many kiss books out there and there are so many people that are much more of an expert on kiss than I am uh that's number one number two um I, I don't really have tons and tons of interviews with the guys. I have a handful. Um, but um, moving on to the other, you know, people have asked me, would you ever do an autobiography? And it's like a big hell no. Who the hell cares about my life? It's pretty dull. Um, but um, I did actually start a project that was a combination of an autobiography and a Kiss book because the special thing about my relationship with Kiss is that they are probably the first band or the only band uh, or, you know, or w one of the main bands. I, I suppose Rush is a little bit this way too. But um, so Kiss is the band that has been around for my entire 
woke music listening life. So the first album came out when I was 11. I kind of, I think I knew it was coming. So somehow I knew about Kiss even before that album came out. So I was starting to be a crazy, you know, music fan maniac. Um, But I definitely got it as a new release. Um, So I've been there for every Kiss album as a new release since I was 11. So this is the band that I consider... um, that, that I uh, I had this idea that I would write about um, my life in relationship to every Kiss album and the year it came out and what was happening in music and what was happening out in the world and what I was going through at that particular year all along the way right up until, um, you know, the modern day, which really only takes us actually to 2012 now for records, which is now nine years ago um, for Monster, right? October 9th, 2012. But uh, anyways, so that's the cool thing about Kiss. And the and the other band that strikes me in this same way is that the Rolling Stones are the only band that has been around my entire life. So so 1963, I was born. So around around there, I don't know when the Stones started exactly, but the point is uh they're they're the only band that is um kind of still going that I paid attention to that I was there for every album, you know, watching this band for their, you know, not their entire career, but, my, you know, they've been around for my entire life. So so Kiss since I was 11 and Stone since I was born kind of thing. So that's the idea. But yeah, so I had that idea about um, I would write this this autobiography mixed with Kiss and it would be a little bit like, uh, you know, Chuck Klosterman's uh, excellent uh you know, Far, Fargo, Detroit, Rock, Rock City, whatever. Fargo, Rock City, I think it's called, right? Um so yeah, so so this episode is kind of the same episode as uh, explaining that book in a way. Um, so my Kiss autobiography, you could call it that, but no, we are going to be calling this uh, Kiss and Trends. Um, so uh, I'll explain a little more as I go along. Um, well, I'll explain a little bit now. So this is a little bit about uh, examples of um, Kiss following trends, maybe not so much following, even making the odd trend. Um but mostly about Kiss reflecting what's going on in the music world as they move through life, you know, and they have kind of a canny, wily sense of the business. Um, they they see what's happening, and uh, let's try that too kind of thing. Um, so these are all examples of that. Um, actually, let's, let's start with our first track here. So this is Watching You from Hotter Than Hell, issued October 27, 1974. This album went gold. Watching You. Take a listen. All right, so here I don't I don't want to like stress that Kiss is following a trend so much here. Like number one, they absolutely set a trend when it came to um, the the stage show. I mean, they were they were trendsetters in making the stage show bigger and bolder and brasher and you know smoke and leather and fire and and grease paint and all that stuff, face paint. Um, 
But this idea of doing this kind of music at this time, I think, is a little bit not so much following a trend, but at least a good idea because um, you had you had a little bit of a void in the in the American heavy metal hard rock realm with Mountain and Cactus kind of fizzling, but you did have the rise and uh, and somewhat of a success, or at least people were talking about the likes of Blue Oyster Cult, the New York Dolls. Um, Montrose had a had a first ripping debut album in 1973. Aerosmith debuted in 1973. Um, you had the continued success, continued success of what was going on overseas with Black Sabbath being a big band and Zeppelin and uh, in your eye heap. Uh, Deep Purple is going through a bit of trouble at this point, but uh, anyways, they come back with Burn uh, in '74, right? Um, so uh, hard rock is kind of a good idea, and Kiss's form of hard rock is actually reflected in the success of another band, uh, because I even listened, you know, when I was putting this together and listening to Watching You again, I'm thinking, dang, these guys sound like BTO. This is like Bachman-Turner Overdrive hard rock, right? And that's another band that was doing kind of kind of decent at this time. Um, you know, well, actually, at this point, they're going through all their all their greatest period, right, with, uh, with Not Fragile and BTO2 and Bachman-Turner Overdrive and all that stuff, right? Um, and having a lot of hits, um, so so Kiss sounds a little bit like that. Um, but if they're not following a trend, um, they're at least diving in with a with a type of music that has some excitement around it and is and is accepted and is not a bad commercial idea, right? Um, and before we move on to our next track, um, I want to mention a couple things along the way in chronological order here. Um, they do they do a big double live album, right? Um, now, are they following a trend? Because you know uh, there has been success with uh, with the likes of the Almond Brothers uh, at the Fillmore. Uh, at, I, I never get these titles exactly right because they're complicated. But there's both there's both the Humble Pie and there's both the Almond Brothers. Um, so there's success with this double live idea, and Kiss is coming in there with that. Are they following a trend? I don't know. It's 1975. It's early. Um, it's just, but it turned out to be a great idea. Um, and the next trend before we move on to the, the the next thing, I don't want to dwell on it too long, but they did try their hand at disco with uh, I Was Made For Loving You and that uh, that single did great and that album uh, was, a, was a, a, a hit too. It went platinum, right? Uh, driven by that single because people didn't like a ton of the stuff on the rest of it. It didn't, that album didn't review particularly well for them either. Um, love the album cover, really cool album cover on that. Um, so anyways there there's a couple there, there's a there's a flagrant following of trend right in there and, and a lot of bands tried the whole disco thing I, I think I did a whole episode on that or or at least novelty uh, novelty singles I, I believe we talked about disco in that um okay let's move on to our second track and uh, and we shall discuss how this is following a trend this is talk to me from unmasked May 20th 1980 this album went gold talk to me when I look into your I start to quiver and shake I get a strange sensation When you walk by me You strut around You make me crazy I get no All right, that's talk to me and I'll talk to you. So this is the idea of um, Kiss deciding, and this is a little bit mixed with Unmasked, but Kiss deciding that the hard rock thing is done like dinner. Uh, that, ship is, uh, that ship has sailed. Um, 
And, uh, you know, Aerosmith is possibly running out of steam a little bit. Ted Nugent might be running out of steam a little bit at this point. Uh, we see what happens with uh, with the likes of, uh, well, Rex breaks up. Derringer goes poppy. Stars goes really poppy. Blue Oyster Cult kind of makes their, uh, you know, semi-poppy whatever. I don't, I don't believe it. But, you know, Mirrors is considered a little bit going poppy versus the earlier stuff, whatever. Um, but so so a lot of hard rock bands around this time are uh, are saying this thing is is over you know this golden era of doing this stuff 75 76 77 is over uh you know punk has happened uh, but it didn't really happen in the states over here we get power pop um so skinny tie new wave power pop uh you know heavy metals looking a little oldy and moldy um so this unmasked album is a little bit a little bit New York Street, but a little bit almost like Lou Reed New York Street mixed with Power Pop, mixed with Skinny Tie New Wave. Everything's just kind of like dialed down a little bit. And this one here has that real kind of New York vibe. This album is a lot better than uh, than I always remembered it as because as kids, we just we just hated it. But OK, so this is the trend of Kiss um, basically abandoning hard rock because it seems like it's a good idea to mature and try something different. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, Martin Popoff back again. History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Um, we are uh, talking about Kiss and Trends, episode 88. Let's take a listen to our third track and we shall discuss. This is War Machine from Creatures in the Night, October 28th, 82. This album went gold as well. War Machine. All right, so what's going on here? This is kind of fascinating, and I've always wondered this. This is a little bit of a mystery to me. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, as as deep or sincere as a as a Kiss scholar and an expert to uh, to have gone and researched the answer to this question. But um, so Kiss is uh, coming back with Creatures of the Night, and it's a very heavy album, much heavier than what has come before. Their heaviest album uh, to date uh, to this point, uh, for sure. And arguably, you know, everything moving forward is kind of in this same zone. It's not way heavier than than all the rest of the Kiss albums moving forward. I think that's a little bit of a misconception. Um, Anyways, uh, this record, so so 82, it's kind of fascinating. So the mystery I've always wondered is how much were they cognizant of and influenced by the new wave of British heavy metal? I would suspect not very much because they're such an American-centric band and they don't have their finger on the pulse that much. They are big rock stars. I think they're a little bit clueless uh, even when they follow all these trends. Uh, or another way to put it is they'll follow trends that are put right in front of their face. I don't think the new wave of British heavy metal felt right in front of their face. But um, what I think they are following here as a trend is um, they are noticing the success of Ozzy Osbourne in America. Um, they are noticing the success of uh, Black Sabbath again in America with Ronnie James Dio, Heaven and Hell fronting. Um, you know, Mob Rules is out by this time as well. I think they're noticing the success of Scorpions through the likes of uh, Love Drive, Animal Magnetism, and Blackout. Um, they're noticing the success of Judas Priest from 
from basically British Steel through Point of Entry, but but you know most notably the Screaming for Vengeance era, and and the you know the rise of a band like Iron Maiden, and maybe even a little Saxon put in, and maybe a little Motorhead. So. Again, I think uh, what they're seeing here, uh, which is really cool, I, I think they're they're getting in on this heavy metal thing right at the right time, early enough, because the new wave of British heavy metal has only been going for two years at this point. But this is all pre-hair metal, so it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, in a way, they're following a heavy metal trend and going back, uh, you know, to to this thing after after the whole power pop direction sort of failed. I I, I neglected to mention Elder in there as well. Elder is not neither neither power pop or heavy metal. It's it's more known because it's a concept album more than anything. But I, I don't think it really fits in this trend thing very much. Um, but um, so the cool thing here is that is that um, they're actually. They they've actually got three waves of relationship to hair metal, which is kind of neat. And I'm I'm actually gonna skip. I'm not gonna do a song for the hair metal trend, but I'm gonna mention it. So I'm gonna mention it here because our next song is way up into Carnival of Souls 1997. So so the next trend. So here they are, very early on hair metal. So you could say they're setting the trend for hair metal, or they're late. Uh, and being influenced by the new wave of British heavy metal, but like I say, I think my theory is um, they're more they're more reflecting on Creatures of the Night, the the uh, the success of heavy metal albums right in front of their face. That's my that's my theory. Um, so the next thing they do is they jump on the hair metal trend, but they jump on right when the golden period of that is all happening with the likes of Lick It Up and Animalize. So that so the so the early stages of the hair metal thing, they're in there like a dirty shirt following that trend. So here here we are back on point with this episode, uh, or or still on point. Um, you know more underscoring it and adding more to it. Next, um, they are actually um, right in there like a dirty shirt on later hair metal when hair metal gets crappy and it starts folding in upon itself and being a parody of itself with the likes of Kiss albums that people don't like very much like Crazy Nights and Hot in the Shade. They're always way up the list of worst Kiss albums and uh, they are right in there destroying hair metal. Uh, for grunge to come around, uh, along with all the bands that usually get the credit for destroying hair metal, your your three W's, your Winger Warrants and White Snakes, uh, Alice Cooper at this point I think uh, is exactly like Kiss, destroying hair metal with kind of crappy hair metal albums. Um, so uh, so so they're there starting hair metal. They're there at the beginning of hair metal, and they're there at the end destroying hair metal. So there's three areas related to hair metal um next trend is when they essentially do the go to vancouver and try harder album even though they don't go to vancouver to do it but revenge is exactly like that whole episode i did earlier of history and five songs where we talked about uh the likes of who is it white snake bon jovi motley crew few other ones there i think jackal went to vancouver um so these late period hair metal albums that are actually really good, um, and and they've tried hard and they've turned in some of their best material in years. So so when hair metal is is going down the dumpers and being replaced by a way more exciting and cooler music, grunge. I love grunge. I thought it was amazing, um, but during that time, so you're so you're sort of ninety one, ninety two period, you know, to to generalize. Um, 
that's when you got some of these really good albums and Kiss did an amazing album called Revenge at that time great album always pretty high up the lists it's just a really good fun well put together professional Kiss album produced by Bob Ezrin um and then our next trend uh, is Kiss does an Unplugged album. So Unplugged becomes a big thing. Uh, so they do one um, March 12th, 1996. It comes out. It goes gold, underscoring the success of them following that trend. Um, and now we're up to our fourth track. So let's go with our fourth track. This is uh, Rain. Take a listen. Tell me what you want me to Right, so Rain is from Carnival of Souls. Now, this only sold 181,000 copies, uh, you know, roughly uh, in uh, in the states. So it's far from gold. It had that that weird album cover. Um, it was all talked about how it was old material, but we're going to release this anyways. In fact, of the matter is, it's not that old. Uh, it came out October 28, 97, but it was recorded November 95 through to February 96. So yeah, I guess almost almost two years old, right? Um, but uh, the idea here is that this is absolutely Kiss following the grunge trend. We did a whole episode of Hair Metal Goes Grunge, I think I even called it, uh, where a lot of these bands from hair metal, be it an old band being a hair metal band like Kiss or even a younger band like like the likes of Your Warrant or Dokken, um, not so much Slaughter, I suppose, uh, Def Leppard in the middle. Um, so all these bands tried to, uh, to adopt some of the good ideas and good instincts of, of grunge and kiss again, right in there, like a dirty shirt, um, doing a really grungy album. I mean, this is, this is, this is so many of the grunge tropes just taken care of, uh, on, on this record. And I actually kind of like it because I'm a sucker for hair metal bands doing grunge albums. And, uh, and when I look at Kiss lists, this is, uh, this is quite a bit of a love it or hate it Kiss album. It's either quite far up people's lists or it's way down at the bottom because of people hating grunge and possibly again, kiss uh hating kiss following trends uh that that's another thing that annoys people about kiss um so this was this was a flagrant shameless uh, approach to try the grunge thing uh absolutely there's no other way uh, of looking at it all right um our next trend i'm not going to play a song here but there's another trend chronologically in here um july 22nd uh 2003 they put out kiss symphony alive 4 um, so here they are following the, hey, let's uh, get together with the symphony. Deep Purple did it. Metallica did it. Yes, did it. Uh, all sorts of bands did it. Tons of them. I hated every single one of those records. I think it's the stupidest thing in the world. It, it To me, I, I've often said it sounds like the band playing, but, but across the room there's a radio station set to a classical station. You're hearing these two dissonant things playing together. What is the point? Uh, there's a whole uncomfortable thing about generation gap and the old people trying to look cool and classical people trying to find a use for their life in the rock world and blah 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 and, and then the band itself being very pretentious thinking their songs are on a classical level there's all this back and forth that that none of it uh makes any sense to me and and none of it seems uh to be 
good intentioned, really. It's it's there's nothing very creative about it. Um, yeah, I just I just don't like anything about it. So Kiss went and did that. I believe that was recorded in in Australia, wasn't it? Um, when they were doing this thing. So there they are, following another trend. Um, you know, another funny thing along the way is this idea of. You had this big successful live album that everybody called called Alive, issued in 1975. So what do they do? They have Alive two, they have Alive three, um, they have Alive four, right? And uh, and even along the way, um, you know, Alive three is considered one of these bloated corporate, um, you know, uh, live albums. So, so that's a bit of a trend. Bands always have that. But no, I I, I find it a little bit of a uh, I don't know if you call it a trend or just like a like a you know. A, a silly commercially corporate kind of thing to to name all your live albums after your original uh you know great live album or whatever all right um let's move on track five here in history and five songs take a listen to this and we shall discuss this is eat your heart out from monster issued october 9th 2012 take a listen eat your heart out got something that gets me jumping i got something wanna talk about Right, so this is an interesting trend, um, and I could almost see doing a whole episode on this, but um, this is the trend of old bands having gone through all the ideas and followed all the trends all along the way, um, coming back to just give the people what they want, doing what you did in the old days, but just a slightly updated version of it, better recording values, more songs because it's a cd and um you know it's not it's not you know it's not the record days when it when an album was 39 minutes long or whatever um you know a cd has to be at least 50 minutes long if not all the way up to the the limit which is 80 so there's all sorts of 79 and 78 minute cds in the world um but anyways um so this is this is the trend of Kiss for two records. So Monster uh, sold two hundred thousand copies. It didn't do that great. Sonic Boom from two thousand nine did three hundred twenty five thousand copies. Um, but both of these records, I find the songs completely interchangeable, and these albums are completely interchangeable. This is the Tommy Thayer era, right? Um, it's interesting. I um. You know, I've I've done a number of shows or gone on people's shows lately about Kiss, and of course we have our Contrarians uh, a YouTube channel, and we've done Kiss Worst Album there, where we did Psycho Circus. I don't think we've done a Kiss. Oh yeah, um, Nick and Marco did a Kiss regular episode, and and they talked about Hotter Than Hell, um, and that was Contrarian because that's the style of that show. Because most people will pick. I think Destroyer usually would win the top polls and that. And then when people ignore that, you're not supposed to include live live albums. They'll always call kiss alive the greatest kiss album um but uh but no um so the the whole idea with this is um i kind of lost track of why i had another point there anyways the idea here is that um here's a band delivering what they did in the old days um and a lot of bands do this and in almost every case because i'm i'm a sucker for hair metal albums doing grunge albums i'm also a sucker for uh the bands going back and doing what they used to do and putting all this stuff aside putting grunge aside putting 80s production values aside 
putting whatever did we try did we try techno pop did we try industrial because a lot of bands did that too um did we try like i say the flagrant 80s production values kiss didn't really do that uh that's kind of a neat thing about them they did they did have quite a bit of keyboards um they did try the keyboard thing and a lot of the outside writer thing but uh um so those are all all other trends along the way but um so this is this is when a band puts all those trends aside and uh, like I say I think it's usually a success um I off the top of my head I think of bands like um Deep Purple although Deep Purple never really abandoned what they did all along the way that's an interesting thing about them they they um they never followed any trends they were essentially Deep Purple all the way through despite all the kaleidoscopic scopic uh uh lineup changes right um but Heart is a great example. Cheap Trick is a great example. Um, who else? Uh, ah, boy, I have a list usually. But Cheap Trick and Heart and Kiss. Alice Cooper is is somewhat even ex- an example, right? You you could put Alice Cooper down here for trying a bunch of trends along the way because you think of the Dragon Town that whole era, right? That was a trend, um, kind of kind of like a grungy, dark Marilyn Manson, semi-industrial, semi-grungy uh, area there. Uh, and then he tried those, you know, the Blackout albums are all quirky power pop. Um, or you know just oddity stuff so so yeah you could almost do a whole episode uh like this on alice perhaps um but uh so so this is a trend as well these bands just going back and and becoming what they were in the old days give the fans the same kind of music that all of our great albums were um and then you know (laughs) one other crazy thing about uh, you know you could say that it's a little bit of a trend at this at this point with these old bands is not putting out too many albums so kiss had three albums in the 90s one in the 2000s and one in the 2010s which are now over right um so they only had the one album uh monster in in the 2010s and only sonic boom for the for the 2000s so that's a little bit of a thing that happens where you um you know, it's a little bit, you could say it's a little bit of a trend when a band kind of gives up on recording or semi gives up in Kiss's case and just becomes a nostalgia act, you know, partially a nostalgia act because there's bands like Iron Maiden and Deep Purple um, who refuse to be a nostalgia act and they put out lots of new music uh, over time, right? Um, so that's kind of cool. So so that's kind of cool for them and not so cool for Kiss. Uh, ACDC is another one who just started spreading out the album so far that it became almost ridiculous, right? You almost look at them as semi-retired kind of thing. Um, so there you go, you know, and this one's like like a exact party metal, Gene, lyric, Gene style lyric, Gene style singing. They even put the cowbell in there. So it sounds like an old 70s song, right? Um, and these albums are full of that stuff, Sonic Boom and Monster. There's nothing super forward thinking about them or whatever. Um, oh, yeah, that's where I was going with that point about Contrarian. Um, I've, I've done a lot of shows like this, and uh, there's a lot of hostility uh, towards Monster and Sonic Boom. And some of that is the hostility towards Tommy versus Ace. There's always that war going on in the Kiss fan camp. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised how little people like these records. They come come pretty low on lists, and I would put them I would put them uh, probably uh, upper middle tier uh, for for myself. Uh, I have no problem with this, but like I say, I'm a sucker for when bands do this. All right. There you go. Kiss and Trends. Uh, if you like this show and want to support future episodes, um, I, I, I 
love when people are contributing to the to the Kofi. It validates me. Um, so Kofi.com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Um, buy me a coffee or a pint. Again, it's, there's this three dollar thing that is is the is the perfectly normal level uh, over there. And but I you know I'm I'm so grateful when people have uh, have done done more than that, and that happens fairly regularly. So thank you everybody. Um, but yeah, it validates what I do here and it makes this almost like a little bit like a paying job, which is kind of cool uh, doing this podcast. Uh, so I'd like to thank uh, Joe Becht and Bel Air Expediting. This is all the recent week. Uh, Black Sugar Transmission, Bruce Campbell, Simon Cole, Chris Cook Guitar, Dave Fisher, Michael Gentleman, uh, Kevin Latham, uh, Jason Leonard, Sammy Orr, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Doug Tooley and Roberto Vega. Thank you all for your support over there at uh, Ko-Fi, Ko-Fi. Um, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your heavy metal book needs. Uh, not at my site yet, but I've been mailing them now for about three, four days, is Rebel Rouser, a sweet user manual. So I've been crazy mailing those out and uh, uh, astonished and a little, uh, you know, it's not, not as much fun. Uh, I, a lot of these orders for the sweet book are going uh, overseas and that's expensive shipping and complicated shipping and stressful um I, you know it's much easier selling books to the states for various reasons i won't go into it um and and canada actually the states is the easiest because i don't have to weigh it and blah 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 and and the rates are better um anyways um but yeah the sweet book uh the angel book is still in print the merciful fate book is still in print i'm surprised i've, I've actually lined this up for the first time ever with one of these trilogies or duologies but but the Iron Maiden trilogy, I've got almost exactly one box left of all three of them. So I can sell lots of the full trilogy if anybody's missing any of the Iron Maiden books. That's it for now. Martinpopoff.com over there. And uh, and yeah, go go play some Kiss. And, uh, you know, let me know over at the Facebook page whether, um, you know, Kiss and Trends is a, is a valid thing or it ticks you off when they follow Trends or if you just think they're smart business guys for following Trends. See you later. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You used to associate crickets with silence. But since you bought a house in the suburbs, you know crickets hate silence. If any other creature realized rubbing its legs together made a piercing high-pitched noise, they might think, maybe I won't do that. Constantly. All night long. Luckily, you can save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. Now that's something to make noise about. Just not constantly. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.